So how many days in a row are we talking about that you didn't shower? If today's the day you showered, are we talking about 11 days before this you did not shower? No, because we did the podcast on Thursday, and so I showered on, on last Thursday, and so then wow. I took a little bit of a break. It's my wow. routine. Oh, yeah, baby. We're back. That's right. Chris Sims and Mr. Hygiene himself. Hopefully he smells better today. I don't want to smell him and his poor wife and his body odor that she must be dealing <laughs> with. Jeez. Poor Mrs. Fareed. She's got to deal with you. You guys probably have been no, get- the, see, I've been misquoted on this. There, it's out of context, this whole thing. This whole thing really? has gotten to a direction that I didn't even anticipate. Yeah, because where it all started is I said, if I don't leave the house, I don't normally shower. And, but normally I leave the house, and so it's not usually an issue. And I'm, If I go out of the house, if I go to work and I work next to you, I've showered that day. But Thank you. The, problem is, the problem is being home now for like 14 straight days, I had to get into a new routine, which has been difficult for me, but I did shower before today's podcast, and now we're back. Okay. We're rolling. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> your wife isn't going to want to cuddle with you if you're smelly, is she? I mean, I just can't imagine. Good old she man says I, I smell good. She says I smell okay. good. So either she's lying, which is good for me because she doesn't right. want to hurt my feelings, or I smell right. good. So either either That's way, true I think love, I'm okay. man. It's true love. <laughs> and you know how I know I love my wife? I love her BO. It's really weird. Oh. I'm telling you, I stick my nose in her armpit and I get horny. All right. There you go. How about that to lead off the podcast? But that's what happens. Well, this is to an me, ask me anything. Hey, this is an ask me anything. And literally well, no I'll one tell asked you that, anything. I like my wife's BO. And sometimes I want to have fun with her armpits. All right. That's what I want to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. if that's any indication, we're in for a good one today. We are in for a good one today. I got the chickens. <laughs> I let them out. The dog's walking around. So it's good. My household is like still not awake. Okay. We're talking it's 11 a.m. I don't know how my family is on this. Like they're watching movies at like 1.30 in the morning kick right now. So they're going to bed like really late and we're on different schedules. Oh. So it's like, it's weird. There, there's literally nobody up in my house. It's 11 a.m. Eastern. So I don't know what it's time the they only went to way, bed last night. It's the only way any family can survive right now is being on split schedules, is being a little, I, you know, we got to have some alone time, whether it be in the morning or at night. Well, I'm not getting any alone time. That's my problem right now. It's <laughs> my kids are getting all the alone time. They're stealing it away from me. So uh, but all right, let's do it. We got to ask me anything. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Where do you want to start? So big we guy? do. So we do. We got, we got an ask me anything and you put it out there yesterday. And I think we got upwards of 80 comments on Twitter and another 60 comments over on Instagram. So a lot of really good stuff from uh, all you guys out there, guys and gals out there. So let's start with, if you want, because the last time we talked was you revealing your top five quarterback prospects. And the cool. big shocker that Tua was number four. So we do have some questions oh, no. on that. Uh, Kristen uh, putting it up there for us. Kristen, by the way, is a, is a warrior. She is what she's basically MVP keeping of NBC. NBC Sports alive right now and running. Agreed. Um, she's back there pushing the button. So there is your top five quarterback prospects. So this one comes from James Green. He goes, would Tua be in tier one? So you put him in tier two with Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. He said, would Tua be in tier one? If it wasn't for the current injury, is it the only is the injury, the hip injury, the only thing keeping him below those two guys? 
No, it is not. It, it is not. I, you know, you know. Um, I think he'd be below those two guys for me, even without the injury. I do. Yeah. So it, it's not all about that. Now, of course, I worry about that. And of course, as far as, you know, trying to further this conversation, excuse me, as I just burped there, as we try to further this conversation down the road and project to the NFL, I do dock him a little less, certainly, because I'm worried about him being injured and he plays small. And man, there's a lot of plays when you watch on film where you just go, oh, man, he's lucky he didn't tear his knee there. Whoa, he's lucky he didn't hurt his shoulder there. So those things are certainly a part of my evaluation. But, you know, uh, the more I watch and, you know, listen, I'm going to continue to watch these guys, but I really feel really good about my top four. I don't think it's going to move. And I saw some of the criticism on social media. And I know people are like shocked with Tua. Listen, you know. They, they got to get over this. You know, I, I'm sitting at dinner last night and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch one of the best games of the year from Tua. I'm going to watch the South Carolina game. Go back. Just watch it play for play. Everything about it. You know, you know, I just I don't I watch Tua throughout a year and just go. There's very few legit NFL throws he had to make. I'm not going to give Tua a, like a great grade because he throws a slant to Henry Ruggs for five yards and then he runs 80 yards. I mean, whoa, do we not think Justin Herbert and Jordan Love could have done that? I mean, so that or or like a perfectly game designed play where the back comes out of the backfield and there's nobody covering him and he throws it up to a wide open receiver. And I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, Tua wheeling and dealing. Nobody could have done that. And I know this sounds like I'm being mean to Tua because I don't want to be mean to Tua. When I talk in these little like sarcastic voices, I'm more talking to the people out there who are doing the evaluating. They're being way too enamored by this show of Alabama and giving Tua the credit instead of just looking at Tua the player. And to me, no, I would I I I can't envision him moving up for me. I don't. I think I'm pretty set in my top three. I feel very confident about that. And it's almost a vice versa conversation with Jordan Love, as you heard me say. You know, you're going to see some moments where you're just going to go, this looks like ugly football. And everybody just blames the quarterback. And I want to go, well, who the fuck is he supposed to throw to? And by the way, this play he just threw an interception on, it's the second quarter and it's the eighth time I've seen this exact play. So do you not think the defense and the defensive coordinator might not know what's coming by now? So, you know, those again, those are things that people in the evaluation business are too much putting on the quarterback instead of, looking at it as a team issue, the coaching issue, everything like that. So, no, I like how Jordan Love and Herbert project in the NFL way more than Tua. Sorry for the long answer, Slugger. I know no, you're probably the, like, shut the, the fact, fuck up. The fact remains that he's still in your top five. He's still a top four quarterback. You put him in tier number two, so you still like a lot of things about Tua, but those are the red you flags. Put that, that you yes, see. they're red flags. And yeah, to what your point is, like, listen, if he proves me wrong, I think I've proven that I will go back and say I'm wrong. You know, I'm rooting for the person. This is why I hate draft time, because I like the person. I've met him. I see what the char- charisma he has. I understand why Alabama liked him. But if I'm just talking about pure football talent, and I, I'm a guy that's been around it forever, and I'm obsessed with it, and I've seen a lot of greats and caught thrown footballs with a lot of greats, yeah, to me, he's he's missing some things that I certainly would like out of my NFL starting quarterback. One more question on your quarterback rankings here. I think this one's uh, this one's interesting on uh, Jordan Love, who you had ahead of Tua. 
Um, it says the fact that Jordan Love is considered it. This is from Jacob Hinson. The fact that Jordan Love is considered a top five quarterback in this draft and Jalen Hurts isn't is disgusting. Love is oh. a turnover machine, but everyone just wants to find the next Mahomes. What do you think uh, of Jalen Hurts? Well, and just, what do you think of of that comment? Well, who who made that comment? Jacob Hinson. Okay. Well, first of all, everybody's trying to find the next Mahomes. Yeah, no shit. I mean, you're talking about maybe the most talented quarterback ever. Yeah, everybody's trying to find that Jacob. And, you know, so that that's that. You know, and again, you know, for him, for you to say that, Jacob, you're you're just so wrong. I don't know what else to say. I'm just gonna have to be brutally honest with you. Jalen Hurts doesn't even want to throw the football. When he has people and it's a tight throw or tight coverage, and I want to go, no, all the other quarterbacks in the top five would have thrown that but he's going to look to run first or then when he makes those throws into tight windows, it's, it's below average throwing. He's a, a work in progress. Jalen hurts has no chance of being a quarterback in the NFL. till maybe two or three years down the road. And that's just maybe then. Okay. I mean, there's a reason he got benched in Alabama. He couldn't throw. He went to the big 12 and played for a team that is far advanced for the rest of their conference. They're clearly the most physically talented team. They have a very good offense. People are wide open. He's just not a good enough thrower of the football to even be in that conversation. So I'm sorry. That's insane. And if you don't think that Jordan Love wouldn't have better success than Jalen Hurts if he was playing at quarterback, you're just you're insane. That's just insane talk. Jordan Love, you know, you got to go back to 2018 when he had an offense and some creativity and he didn't run the same four plays all game long. You know, he looked like a superstar then. It was 32 touchdowns and six interceptions. You know, team and people around you are a big part of your success on a field as a quarterback. You know, Patrick Mahomes is might go down as the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. He went four and seven his senior year. What's the, He's not a winner then. He can't carry the team. What's wrong with him? Why couldn't he make Texas Tech? Why couldn't John Elway be better than three and seven at Stanford his last year, Ahmed? Damn, he must just not be any good. Oh, that's right. The people around him suck. You know, so stop. We're all put this quarterback like, oh, Oklahoma would have won the Big 12 if I came back and played quarterback this year. I mean, get over it. It's not, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh my gosh, Jalen Hurts did it. That's right. No, sorry. Sorry, Jacob. I don't mean to be mean. We've got you two questions in, and you're already fired up. I like it. I, I like it. We're on a good I'm roll fuck, already right now. Yeah, I'm fucking uh, fired up. All right, keep them okay, going. I'll go. be quicker with my answers. To Cam and Jameis, there were a few questions on uh, Cam Newton, who's out there looking for a team. Jameis Winston's still out there looking for a team. This one comes from Chad. It says, agree or disagree, Tyrod Taylor would be a better starter for the Chargers than Cam Newton. Agree or disagree? Um... I'm going to disagree, but I, I, you know, I, I could certainly make the case that Tyrod Taylor would be an effective starter for the Los Angeles Chargers. So I get where that question's coming from. But if you have a healthy Cam Newton, no. I mean, Cam Newton is a special, special player, a special specimen. His value to a team and an offense goes way further than what the statistical bottom line looks like. So from that standpoint, no. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, he kind of fall, falls under the Teddy Bridgewater conversation with me. You know, he's not going to win you any games. But he ain't, he ain't going to lose you games either. Okay? And that's good. But, you know, when you start to play competition that's really good and you need your quarterback to make some wow plays or some difference-making plays, 
you know, you could be the better team and not come out on top when you have that type of quarterback sometimes too. So you got to be careful. Cam Newton, no, to me is a special, special player. And that's where I want to see him with the Chargers. Yeah, that that seems like the destination that makes the most sense. Although you hear some of the reports, they were not willing to make a trade for him. So maybe they just want to work out their own. Well, their own they knew deal he was going to get released price. for right. Well, and he knew that they knew he was going to get released. And you know, again, I don't think enough people have made enough to do about. I mean, Carolina fucked Cam Newton for lack of a better way to say it. They fucked him, I, and and I don't think that's gotten enough national attention. I mean, to basically release him when they did and then say, oh, go ahead and try to find a trade partner. I mean, that was bullshit. And I hope they didn't do that intentionally, but it does not look good on them. They've kind of escaped under the radar from public blame right now, I think, because of the time we're in and there's not as many talk shows going on and all that. But I think if that happened to other marquee quarterbacks, I I don't understand why. There would be more of an uproar about it. I think it's kind of bullshit what they did to Cam. Dave says, would Cam fit in Miami? That's an interesting spot for me. Miami and your guy, Brian Flores. Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, Florio made this point the other day about, you know, Cam to Miami. And I do think he would be a fit there. Yes. You know, Shan Gailey, uh, of course, has enough experience as an offensive coordinator, I think, to come up with game plans that could fit Cam Newton. And if you weren't, you know, this is something I've said on PFT. If you're not in love with any of these quarterbacks in the draft or you don't go, if you go, man, I can't draft one of these guys at number five. I just don't feel comfortable about Herbert or Tua or Jordan Love at five. Or, man, I'm just not in love with any of these guys. I wouldn't be mad at them if they said, you know what? Let's bring Cam down for like a two-year deal uh, with like a team option or something like that after year one and see where this plays out. I I don't think it's crazy. He certainly would fit. Cam Newton's going to fit anywhere just because he's big, he's strong, and he's got a lot of damn talent. And he's, of course, can move and throw the ball into tight windows. And he, he's going to fit anywhere when all said and done, as long as he's healthy. So Thomas Newkirk asks you, who will sign first, Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? Man, I don't know. And, you know, you, you know I know you've heard this. And you, know, you tell me wrong if there's any other rumors out there right now. I haven't heard diddly shit about Jameis Winston. I so agree. I don't know when that happens. I don't know anybody in the NFL that knows when this thing will happen with Jameis Winston. You've heard me pound the the drum for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I wouldn't even I'd be mad if the Philadelphia Eagles got Jameis Winston. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, Carson Wentz has an injury history. Do we really want to, like, if he gets hurt, go down the Nate Sudfeld road? I, I'm not a believer in Nate Sudfeld to be able to take over and win games for that team. So I would think about that a little, too, if I was them. But uh, you know, right now, yeah, if you make me bet, I'm going to say Cam Newton gets signed first. And just a few hours ago on Pro Football Talk, they wrote about this was coming from uh, Michael David Smith saying that Bruce Arians has reached out to a couple teams about Jameis Winston, said, recommended that he sign him. Um, but neither team is looking at him as a starter. And I think you've said as much that it's not going to be a starter job for Jameis Winston, which leads to another question. Whiskey Tango says, is Jameis past the point where the other coaches think they can fix him? That's interesting. Uh, no. you know, it's like, yeah, it is interesting. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. This is the damn no, hard because thing about FaceTime. Because uh, Bruce Arians, you got Bruce Arians here, and you feel like if anyone can kind of harness the, the power of Jameis Winston, it's Bruce, and it didn't work out there. And so all the other coaches look at him and say, Say, no, can't be done. Although coaches do have pretty big egos out there, and so all of them probably feel like they can do it. That's right. And, you know, I mean, again, and Bruce Arians, too, to that conversation, 
he's not necessarily known for like reigning quarterbacks in. I mean, quarterbacks have thrown a lot of interceptions and had a lot of turnovers with Bruce Arians. I wouldn't say his MO is to make quarterbacks more conservative that way. No, I mean, we're already talking about he'll make Tom Brady more aggressive because Brady's not aggressive enough. That's his MO. So I'm not so sure he was necessarily the proper voice for Jameis Winston either. I do think there's a listen. I don't have to think. I know this, and I I think I you know I forget where I say this all the time. But I know a number of coaches in football who are like, man, Chris, have you studied Jameis Winston? And I go, yes. And they're like, man, I'd love to get my hands on him. Holy cow! You know the same thing that we've been saying for the last year. You know, you look at a good game from Jameis Winston. It's as good as anybody in football. It's just the bad games are fucking piss poor, horrible, and that's where. It stinks, but uh, I do think there's some interest. And I think as we get later on in free agency and maybe after the draft and teams figure out who they did and didn't get, and, ooh, I'm not so sure I'm really comfortable with this guy being our backup. Can we really trust him? I think that's when the James, you know, those teams who then don't get that guy in the draft to come in and be that next guy, I think those are the teams that will eventually start to kick the tires on Jameis Winston and go, Okay, do we want to bring him here and have him be our backup? The problem is he's so talented too, Ahmed, that a lot of teams aren't going to want to deal with it. When you're that talented, they don't like a backup quarterback that talented. They don't want their backup quarterback to go on the field every day and shit on their starter and make their starter look like he's physically the backup. That is a big part of this too. You know, there's going to be some teams out there that go, ah, oh, this is going to create a mess. You know, he could go out in the preseason and throw three touchdowns in the first three preseason games, and our starter could kind of stumble, and everyone's going to go, man, Jameis Winston looks really good. And all of a sudden, you got a quarterback competition on your hand. So I do think that's going to scare a number of teams away, too. Yeah, I, I was going to look at the – I was going to pull up the Ahmed? teams like you always do. Hi. Hey, who do you got say in the, Hello. That's Philip. Get your Hello, head Phillip. Screen, man. So you guys do all hang right. out together. Get- Philip's just getting Look, up. Look, his eyes are sleepy. He just woke up. He's the only <laughs> nine-year-old to wake up at 11 o'clock in the morning. All right, get your ass out of here, kid. <laughs> no, I mean, this is what I would do. I would. Uh, weekend came. I was like 1 p.m. when I was growing up. Oh, man, I love to sleep. Love to sleep. Yeah, I did, up. too. I did, too. Uh, all right, let's move on to a different topic here. Let's go to the draft. We got some good ones with the draft. And uh, Kyle Shanagoat. Tweeted in. <laughs> Kyle Shanagoat. Kyle uh, is the goat that? already. Is that Kyle Shanahan? That's Kyle Shanahan. He's got a he's got a Twitter it's handle already. Burner. That's his burner account already. <laughs> right. Uh, with the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, do the Niners go wide receiver in the draft? And if so, how high? So they got a couple picks in the first round. I think thirty-one right and thirteen for DeForest right. Buckner. What do you what do you think the holes that the 49ers are going to look to fill in that first round? I, I I don't I think that's a real possibility. You know, again, I don't think they're desperate to where they got to take one. You know, again, you know, they got uh Debo Samuel is young. We saw Kendrick Bourne really come on towards the end of the year last year for them. You know, Dante Pettis is there. Uh they did draft the 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 old uh, running back from Tennessee who went to Baylor, uh Jalen uh Hurd or whatever. But yeah, I would think yeah. that they would dabble in the wide receiver co- uh, conversation, whether it be 13 or 31. I, I, I do. I think you could very well see that. You know, traditionally, Kyle Shanahan, if you really follow his, you know, he, he likes having high-end receivers. When he was with the Houston Texans, he had Andre Johnson. Atlanta Falcons, he had Julio Jones. 
You know, even when he was in the Washington Redskins, even though this guy's not in their class, he went out and got um, – uh, damn, he played for the Colts. I'm, I'm going to blank on his – no, man. Oh, man, I'm going to blank on his name. The when crazy he- Haitian. The crazy Haitian. Uh, he, he came to him with the Redskins. I'm blanking on his name. But my point being, all right, and he was in San Francisco. Garcon, way to go, Pete Dimalitis. Pierre Garcon. Shanahan likes to make one guy the focal point. And the reason for that is because he forces teams into, hey, here's my guy. What are you going to do to stop him? Oh, now I know how you like to stop these type of guys. And then he could formulate game plans off of that, too. So I would think that Shanahan is in the wide receiver discussion in the first round. Yes. Anchor says re-rank the 2018 NFL draft first round quarterbacks based on their current situation. Oh, this is interesting. So you got Baker Mayfield, who went first overall. You got Sam Darnold, who went third overall. Josh Allen went seventh. Josh Rosen went 10th. I think we know where he's probably going. And then Lamar Jackson went 32nd overall. Re-rank him. Oh, all right. So he wants me to rank him. And does he want me to rank him according to Philip? Close that door, man. For, uh, the chickens are getting to, in. Keep the chickens out. Does he want me to rank them according to the situation they're right in? Read that question for me again. Re, just re-rank the 2018 NFL draft first-round quarterbacks based on their current situation. Okay. All right. So I'm interpret go, it however you wish to interpret it. Right now, I am going to go Lamar Jackson 1, mm-hmm. Josh Allen 2, Mm. Baker Mayfield three, Sam Ooh. Darnold four. Yeah, Mayfield and Darnold very close to me, but I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. I am, and then I'm going to go, of course, Josh Rosen, who's you know not even on the list, but that, that's fine, whatever. So you yeah, still like I mean, what you've seen from Josh Allen over Darnold and Baker Mayfield? I do. You know, again, I think if I think if Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold went to the playoffs and did some of the things Josh Allen did last year and led his team to a what, an eleven and five record, we'd all be giving out steady <laughs> them all the time. Oh, look how great they are. But then we don't that. do that with Josh Allen because he went to Wyoming and there's just this mafia out there that doesn't want to give him credit for anything. I mean, gosh, the guy runs for hundred yard games his rookie season. Oh, you know, I'm doing stuff we've never seen before. Nobody even talks about it. So, yes, I am. Baker Mayfield struggled last year. It wasn't a perfect year. He had a ton of talent around him. Sam Darnold's yet to play a full year. He got injured his rookie year. Last year he had, you know, what is it, mono? So, you yeah. know, I, I'm not going to put them in their category yet, but I'm going to give Baker Mayfield a slight edge over Sam Darnold. And, of course, Josh Rosen is – I feel bad for the guy. He's, he's stuck in – Two tough spots, and uh, we haven't really seen enough from them yet to even have a fair evaluation. Kramer the first, which draft bus? So oh, this is interesting. Which draft bus would have been good players if the team fit had been better? So who's a player out there that you look back on, you thought had a lot of talent, and then just never kind of got the opportunity or the right system or the right opportunity? Yeah, which yeah. is a player out there well, yeah. that you really like that didn't get that? Yeah, that's a, this is a, it's a very broad question. Um, it is. And, you know, this it happens a lot. You know, and and again, the the thing that I would tell you today, or you know, if anything, sorry, I'm sitting here. I got a bunch of text messages coming in. Is you know, hey, look at like Minka Fitzpatrick's the perfect example of a guy like that last year, right? I know we've talked about this before, but fit does matter. 
You know, you could you could be stuck in a bad spot and not be uh, really get a chance to show what you can truly do as a player because you're playing out of position or the team around you is bad. So I think the one that jumps out to me, all right, there's there's two I'll say. Just just I'm talking like high picks that were busts, but I think would have been better if they got drafted by different teams. Like David Carr, he would be a guy. The old te- Derek Carr's older brother, the number one pick of the draft, got drafted by the Houston Texans and. You know, in their first year of existence, I look at him and go, that was a guy that had more talent and more ability than people will ever give him credit for. But they put crap around him. He had no receivers. He had the worst offensive line in football. He got beat to shit. And it really relegated him to being a backup quarterback. I think if he goes to a different spot that he probably has a bunch of years in the NFL as a starting quarterback. Another one, RIP to my late great friend Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson was the number four pick in the draft by the Chicago Bears. They had Thomas Jones there. They tried to split carries. The dumbest crap ever. Cedric Benson was a beast of a man. Oh, you know, I'm not trying to say he's Derrick Henry, but in theory, like a Derrick Henry, where he wears you out as the game goes on. You know, he's big, he's muscular, big square shoulders, has a legs and butt. And I just know my me playing with him in college. And at that time, the Big 12, we had a lot of NFL defensive players playing against us. They got sick of seeing Cedric Benson in the hole in the fourth quarter because he kept lowering that shoulder and churning those legs. And Chicago split carries and never really got the true value out of Cedric Benson. He went on to other teams later on, the Bengals and the Packers, and they rode him. And you saw how special he could be. But, you know, that's a hard question. But just two that jumped to my head, that would be it right there. It happens all the time in all different sports where you just have – a player who doesn't get the opportunity. We saw it, you know, I covered the San Francisco Giants for a long time in this last year. They, uh, Mike Yastrzemski, the, the grandson of Carl Yastrzemski. You think, oh, that name, you're going to get an opportunity. He never did. He finally did last year at the age of 29. And, and he was able to go out there and secure a job and now one of their big pieces moving forward. So it's just funny how you, you think the cream always rises to the top, but it's just an imperfect balance of opportunity, draft capital. Where'd you draft the guy? You're going to give him more opportunities than if he's right. an undrafted free agent out there. You're, you're exactly right. That plays into it. And, you know, hey, listen, I mean, this is such a broad topic. I mean, some people look at Jadeveon Clowney and go, oh, he was a bust. He wasn't. He shouldn't have been the first pick of the draft. And I want to just go, no, that's bullshit. You know, that, that you're just, you're reading the bottom stat line and going, how many sacks did he have? And you're trying to justify it off of that. And no, he's clearly been that guy. But some people might look at it as the bust for a first rounder, and I want to go, no, he, he's not. He's a really hell of a football player who's had to deal with some injuries and things like that. So, yeah, that's a, that's a deep topic, and there's probably some more that I'm missing out there. I don't always think some of those guys are busts or other people might think are busts, and I want to go, damn, no, he's a good player. He just got kind of stuck in a bad situation. You know, some people look at, oh, Matthew Stafford. He's, uh, he's not a franchise quarterback. And I want to go, damn, if Matthew Stafford got to any other team besides the dysfunctional Detroit Lions, the world would think totally different of him. But he got stuck there. And all the blames of the organization we put on Matt Stafford because he's the quarterback. And I want to go, who else is on the team that's fucking been there to help him throughout his career? Whoa, I mean, I know there's Calvin Johnson, but two people don't make up a 53-man roster. So, all right, go on. I'm sorry. You're getting me going again. He didn't have this guy. He didn't have Barry. Didn't have Barry for sure. Never had a running game. He's just getting a running game now. Yeah. Uh, Let's go over to Instagram real quick. This is from the Shane MCM. He says, I'm actually really interested on who you think the Raiders quarterback one will be by the end of the season. 
And being a former Gruden quarterback, how will Marcus Mariota's personality handle with John's? Oh, interesting. Okay, so the first part, uh, the, the second part of that question, Mariota, I think Mariota, uh, Gruden's going to like Mariota. You know, you don't have to be a rah-rah, you know, crazy guy. He also can be into, man, this Mariota's unflappable. I really like him. He's smooth. He's silky. You know, he never seems to, like, blink and, and pressure. So he can have respect for those type of guys, too. And then as far as the quarterback I see being the starter at the end of the season, I'm still going to go with Derek Carr right now. I am. Now, this is a big year for Derek Carr. It's make or break. But I do think Derek Carr is better than Marcus Mariota. I'll say that. i got to see Marcus Mariota throw the ball at a higher level before I put him in Derek Carr's class. And also, you know, again, I know Derek Carr is not like a top five and not a top ten quarterback. But, you know, I think we also have to look at, like, hey, this is a team that's kind of been in rebuild mode. He's had no weapons around him the last two years to really throw to. There's been nobody. And I don't know how the Raiders can really know exactly what they got yet until they put a little more talent around them. And also, I think Gruden has to be careful about being a jerk to Derek Carr. He already has a reputation for being a quarterback hoarder as it is and selling quarterbacks down the river in a hurry. And if he continues to do this type of stuff, I'm telling you, he's not going to get any free agent quarterback that's ever going to want to go play for him. And I think he knows he has that reputation. So he's got to let this play out with Derek Carr this year. But I envision Derek Carr being the guy all year long. Peter Kreibel says, have you ever had a romantic dream about Gruden? Mm, it's interesting. A- Personal. Absolutely. Absolutely not. No. I, romantic? <laughs> no. Could I have? I mean, you can't control this- your dreams. So if it happened, it happened. It's no big deal. It's nothing bad against you. Yeah. No, But I used to have dreams about like. You know, I, and I know a lot of people have these type of dreams in all walk of life. But when I was playing for Tampa, I would have nightmares about, oh, my gosh, I woke up late and I got to the facility late and everybody's on the field and Gruden's out there yelling, where's Sims? Where the fuck is Sims? And I'm in the locker room and I can't find my shoulder pads. Right. And or my helmet. And I'm like, oh, no, the team's out there without me. And it's just like one of those, you know, how people have those type of nightmares. I used to have those. Uh, at, at that point in my life, or I was late to the game in general, and the team was out oh. there to start the game, and I couldn't find my uniform in the locker room. I used to have that all the time, and I think that's partly because I was fucking scared of John Gruden. <laughs> I literally had one of those dreams like two weeks ago, where I was in, I was doing like a studio show there in Stanford, Connecticut, and I was trying to button up my uh, collared shirt. And it was just like, I couldn't get the buttons. And they were like, Ahmed, the show was starting in like 30 seconds. And it was like, I was trying to get the buttons and I couldn't do it. It was like literally the same thing. It drove me crazy. And I woke up in like a sweat, like a panic sweat. Yeah, it will. Uh, it will make you panic. All right. This one comes from Jojo, the BMFer. And it says, Jojo, the Jojo. big motherfucker. I like it, man. Yeah, yes. Uh, Ahmed, if you were to evaluate Sims as a quarterback coming out of Texas in this dr- in this draft, where would you rank him, and who would be his comp? Ooh, that's I tough. like it. No, right, that is me, tough. Look. You better fucking be careful here, Slugger. You better be careful. <laughs> I don't think. No, go uh, ahead. Be yeah. honest. Be honest. I don't give a shit. You know me. I don't care. So I think you are. If I'm going to go tier, I'm going to put you in the Jake Fromm tier. You know, very successful college quarterback, right? Would you? What? What do you mean? He's a good quarterback. People are high on him. Some people, not you. Yeah, no, not me. Okay, that's fine. I'll put you, you above Jalen. I'll put you above Jalen Hurts. 
Okay, thank you. I, uh, I, I listen. I got nothing to say. I got nothing to back it up. I had a pretty damn good college career. I didn't get to do enough in the NFL career to say it. I had. I'll say this. I had talent to be big time. I did have that, uh, and I don't. I don't think anybody that was around me would would disagree with that. Um, you know, and and really, just as my career was kind of taking off, as when I got hurt, and things were never the same, and uh, that's just that is what it is. But I had a chance. I definitely did, and I had a had a fun time in my career, nonetheless. Uh, I would. So you were the sixth quarterback taken out of thirteen in the two thousand three draft. I was looking that up, third round overall. I guess my comp my comp for you would be uh like a Mike Glennon, Brock Osweiler, kind of in that kind of <laughs> out of college. <laughs> Yeah, you're <laughs> just such in an like asshole. skin complexion with uh, Mike Glennon. Yeah, both fair skin, really people, pasty and white. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> really pasty and white. Yes, because the cop I, I always has to be more someone athletic who has than both skin. of them, and I definitely had a better arm than both of them. So I, I will say that for sure. You know, I'm not a very good scout, so I wouldn't take anything I say personally at all here. Don't uh, worry, it's all right. I already uh, took it personal, so fuck you. <laughs> this one comes, we're back on Twitter, from a Texans fan. Oh, this is a good one. Taylor Mitchell, as a Texans fan, what should give me hope, optimism about the upcoming season? Wins, uh, Watson can't do it all. Deshaun Watson can't do it all. So, yeah, it's been a been a bummer of an offseason for a Texans team who last year kind of indicated to all of us that they were in it. This was their window, and I think they still think they're in their window, but now they got to do it You know, not only without Jadevian Clowney, but they got to do it without – DeAndre Hopkins. Well, okay. So I understand there's no DeAndre Hopkins, and that's scary. I understand that. They did sign Randall Cobb, right? That was a good signing. You know, you look at their three receivers they got right now, Kenny Stills, Cobb, and Will Fuller, and you go, damn, that's a pretty good group. They can do everything. You know, the offensive line is moving in the right direction. They got some young, talented guys there. Uh, that they drafted last year who played well as rookies. They're going to be better. Of course, they got Tunzel there. I'm just trying to make sure if I'm missing anybody else. I don't think the Texans are going to fall far from where we've seen. I think they're still going to be very competitive. My biggest issue with the Texans right now, I'm not necessarily as worried about the DeAndre Hopkins thing on offense. Listen, if David Johnson is healthy, he's going to be a big jump, uh, 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 jump start to this offense. He's talented. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield in the pass game and do all those things too. Along with those three receivers and a pretty good tight end in Fells and an offensive line that's budding. You know, I'm not concerned about that. The defense is the issue for me with the Houston Texans. You know, hey, the Houston Texans offense spotted them a 24-point lead in the divisional playoff game. And then that defense let that back up. And, like, before we blinked our eyes three times, we were like, what, is 24 all? Damn. So – they need some difference makers in their front seven. They lost DJ Reader. This was already a front seven that's a little underwhelming uh, as far as playmakers are concerned. And then their secondary had issues too last year. So I, I think those are the two areas I'm concerned about. I think Deshaun Watson and the offense will be fine. You know, I, I do. I think they're going to be doing a little bit more by committee this year than just honing in on Hopkins all the time, which could end up being a better thing for their whole offense in general. Do you think that they are still you think they're the favorite in the AFC South? So they finished a game ahead of the Titans. They finished three games better than the Colts last year. Do you think they're still the favorite? I don't. I think I would probably oof, it's close. I mean, when I just look at them, 
Tennessee, and of course, I think the Colts are going to be a team to be reckoned with here. It, it's very, very close there. I would probably say Tennessee is the favorite as I sit here right now, and I do think Hard the Colts have closed that. that. Yeah, and I think the Colts have closed that gap too, to where it's all very tight. But I think I would go as I sit here right now. I just I got to see Philip Rivers and the Colts first. I would probably go Tennessee, Houston, then the Colts. But that Houston Colts one is very close. Colts are the better team. I'm giving Houston the slight edge because they're battle-tested and they have Deshaun Watson. And that's the only reason I'm giving them the edge right now. More quarterback talk coming from Anastasia Williams. How much of a leap do you think that Daniel Jones will make in year two with our Giants? What does Jones need to work on this offseason? So Daniel Jones, a guy who was taken very high in the draft, Shocked a lot of people, surprised a lot of people, including you, Chris, on what he was able to do in year one. So how much of a leap can he make from year one to year two, you think? Yeah, I mean, first off, a phenomenal rookie year. I mean, he really was. He played great football. He was the star of that football team this year. Saquon Barkley was hurt. He wasn't 100% most of the year. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback who had no Odell Beckham Jr., a less than 100% Saquon Barkley, and we were just like, you know, we came away a lot of weeks going, damn, that was Four touchdowns, no interceptions. Three touchdowns, one interception. Like, big-time throws. It wasn't like he was, like, throwing a screen behind the line of scrimmage and the receiver was running 50 yards. Right. You were going, wow. So there's a lot to like. I mean, he is a good down-the-field thrower, good intermediate thrower, very smart, you know, has a stronger arm than I ever gave him credit for, throws perfect spirals, the things that he has to work on, okay? One, don't stay in the pocket so long. He's a good athlete. I think he needs to, like, he needs to embrace a little bit more of the backyard football mantra into his game. You know, you, you just don't keep – because he fumbled a lot last year. So people go, oh, well, he has a fumbling issue. No, he doesn't have a fumbling issue. He's really just tough, and he's able to focus downfield, and he's not worried about the chaos going around him in the pocket, which is a good thing. But, yes, going into year two, I want him to see him have a little bit more of a third eye of who's around me, who's swiping at the ball – let me not sit here and go, oh, I've gone through one and two and three. Oh, and nobody's open. Let me go back to one. No, go one, two to three, and then get out of the pocket. Move. Make something happen. He's very capable of doing that. I think those are the, the things I'd like to see him just get a little bit better at. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun to see just because, you know, he seems like a good kid. And it was it was cool to see him able to exceed expectations when everyone thought yeah. it was the worst pick ever. He gave a, he gave a big muddle, middle finger to everybody in New York, me, everybody, and said, screw all of you. You were wrong, and I am the franchise quarterback. And uh, I'm happy for him for that. Speaking of a franchise quarterback, this one comes from Jonathan Chewy. says there's news about Big Ben saying he feels younger after his surgery. First time in years, he says he doesn't feel pain when he throws. Do you think that's possible? And how much does that change his throwing, his ability, his, his ability to do what he did before? So what do you, do you buy it? Do you buy that Big Ben says he feels as good as he has in years? I, I can believe that, that his, you know, that his arm, you know, I think he's specifically talking about his arm. I don't think he's talking yeah. about like, you know, the spring in his step and he's going to turn the corner and his run for a 10 yard game right now. He's never had the beard <laughs> that he has right now. That, that is amazing. I couldn't it's get amazing. over that when I saw the beard earlier this week. Holy cow. That is impressive. 
Um, he looks like he's like been up in the mountains of Germany for like for seven years without 50, food. Fifty and he, years, maybe. Like yeah, he, like half right, a right. He's been wearing like wolf fur around him and like been on. I'm on the track for a new elbow. Yeah. Uh, um, it's crazy, but uh, I do believe that. And you know, the thing that I like about this injury, and I don't like the injury, but what I think it's going to do, which I I think was a negative on Big. I don't. He didn't throw in the off season. He's a guy that doesn't throw the ball. Mm. He told me that last year when I went to training camp. He just goes, nah, I just, you know, when training camp gets around, I start to throw a few balls just to go, okay, I got some feel, but that's it. I think this injury is going to lead him to getting his arm in better shape. You know, you can't just go into training camp and think, oh, I'm going to come out firing and throw 100 mile per hour fastballs. No, you're, you're going to hurt your elbow or your shoulder or put too much torque on it. Just like anything, just like your legs or, you know, your pecs with the bench press. It's got to get in shape first before you throw 225 pounds on your chest or you're going to pull a muscle. And I think this is uh, maybe one of the hidden benefits of this surgery and him having to go through rehab for Big Ben. You want to talk about the Lions for a second? Oh, I do. I do. I I do. I want to talk about that. You know, you and Barry Sanders. Let's go. Let's hear it. So we got a few questions about the Lions. These aren't just coming from me here. We got one from B. Curtis, and he says, what is your take on the Matt Patricia versus Darius Slay talk? Is Patricia trying too hard, or was Slay being too sensitive? Uh, whatever your answer, I hope it's the last that I hear about it. So apparently yeah, he's well, sick I, of it, but yeah, still wanted to hear what we had to, had to say about it. I, I'm, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sick of it, too. I, I think we can place blame on both a little bit. Um you know, do I think Darius Slay is being a little too sensitive? I do. Yes, 100%. Do I think Matt Patricia maybe could have used a little bit better of a um, judgment on, you know, whose buttons you can push all the way here and whose you can't? Yes, I certainly do. I don't think Matt Patricia had any bad intentions with Darius Slay. I think that he came from a coach in Bill Belichick where he saw him do this for years and years and saw a lot of positive benefits, you know, but those were people who grew up in the New England culture and knew that's all they knew. Darius Slay was treated like a king since the day he got drafted in the first round. He's never had anybody criticize him from anything. Everybody told him he's which the greatest is, thing since. Yeah. yeah, which is why Patricia came up and tried to get all those expatriates. He's like, hey, Darius, look, these people can take it. This is this is actually is how you coach people. So, yeah, so I, so where I put the blame on Patricia is maybe he could have broken him in a little bit more slowly or diplomatically with that stuff. Uh, that, that That's the big deal to me. But, you know, so, so much of it is just, I think, the culture shock. And again, you know, you got to remember, too, your Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick gets away with things that other coaches are not going to get away with because – when you walk in that fucking building and see all this AFC championships and Super Bowls, not really much you could say after that. You're not going to be like, Bill, that's not fair. You don't know what you're talking about. I am a better cover corner. And he's going to be like, uh, no, uh, we. I'll show you some cover corners we've won Super Bowls with, and you're not them. And you know, not everybody can get away with that until you start winning some games and showing the positive gains of that culture. Yeah, and I wonder if part of it too, and, and you're right, like if if you just don't get along with the guy, you start looking for reasons. It's like, oh, he pulled up one of my Instagram pictures and said this during a team meeting, or he said I wasn't elite. You look for those little things more just because you don't generally like the guy. 
And I, I do wonder if, if Matt Patricia is able to, to build those connections because you heard a little bit of a rift perhaps with Matt Stafford and Matt Patricia after year one there in, in Detroit. And so you wonder if he's able to do that as he progresses as a head coach, you build those relationships and build the trust that, you know, he cares about you, not just as a, as a football player, but as a man and wants you, wants you to get better. I don't, I think that might be more of the issue for, for Matt Patricia than he just pushed the wrong button here on, on one player. It's almost like, can he build these relationships with these men? Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, listen, if, if Detroit starts out seven and oh this year, you watch how the tune changes and everybody, oh, yeah. I mean, it's all Matt Patricia, the great culture he set forth. But it's hard when you got to deal with this type of culture at first. You know, I know I played for Josh McDaniels, who had just come from Bill Belichick, his first year without Bill Belichick. And I was like, whoa, this is hard. This is tough. They're on your ass about everything. I couldn't believe it. I mean, they were coaching us how to do stretch. I was like, get the fuck out of here. This is my time. Like, I'll be ready for practice. But, you know, that can creep up on you. Think about Michael Strahan. He complained about Tom Coughlin until they started winning games. Then he went, damn, this kind of makes sense. The Jacksonville Jaguars all complained about Doug Marone the year they went to the AFC Championship game. They started winning games. They went, hey, this guy might know what he's talking about. So you got to win, and that's why it's a big year for Detroit and everybody there. Uh, you know, Matt Patricia, Dan Quinn, uh, not Dan Quinn, the Bob Quinn, the GM, and, and everybody. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Urka, uh, one of our many talented colleagues what? that the works Urkinator? with us. What, the Urkinator? Yep. What up, Urkinator? What up, Urks and Caicos? What is the most embarrassing thing? Thing that Ahmed would be willing to do if ensure the Lions would win a Super Bowl. I would do the podcast shirtless. I would do that would, if it ensured a Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. I okay. would. If I knew for a fact that it would give the Lions a Super Bowl, I would do that. You would? That's Are you it. like the type where you'd get, like, would you get a tattoo if the Lions won the Super Bowl? You don't have to get it before, but would you get, like, Ooh. a Lions logo on your arm or somewhere if they won the Super Bowl? Would you go that far? No. No, probably not. No. But if it was, if it was one of those things where Ahmed, you have to get a tattoo, and you have to get a tattoo, like right here on your neck, I go. You know what? I can probably cover that most of the time. I'd do it if it means the Lions get a Super Bowl. I'm doing it. So maybe I would do something like that. Okay. So damn, I didn't realize you're that diehard. You're really diehard for them. I like it. It's the one team. So here, the, I was looking back at their play just because it got me thinking about all their. Their playoff failures. Uh, they have failure. one playoff win since 1957, <laughs> and they're they're one in twelve in those games. And one of the questions, real quick, came from Nathaniel Marrero. Said Ahmed, "What are your five worst memories as a Lions fan?" There are so many more than that, but there are some really bad ones. Do you remember in 2017 versus the Falcons when Golden Tate uh, scored that touchdown with like nine seconds left to give him the lead? They reviewed it. It was overturned, and then they ran off 10 seconds because the Lions didn't have another timeout. And so the game ended after the overturned call. In reality, they would have been able to spike it because they ran that play from the two-yard line. And so on the field, it had been called down at the one. They could have spiked it in plenty of time, but the rule was you had to run off 10 seconds. They didn't have any timeouts. Game was over. We had did he not this score? Year. I can't remember did, did, if I thought the guy, did Golden Tate score the touchdown you thought? Did you think he scored he it or did. was he legitimately short? Uh, he was legitimately short. Yeah, he okay, was short okay. by just like less than half of a yard. Yeah. But still, it was like nine seconds left. If it would have been called short on the field, they spike it, they get one more play, or they just run another right. play right there. Um, that, yeah, that, that game against the 
Packers this year with the hands to the face on Trey Flowers. That one hurt. Um, Does that hurt more than Aaron Rodgers' Hail Mary that won won the game that on Thursday night football that one year? The fail, the fail Mary. Fail Mary that almost hit the rafters of the uh, Ford Field. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, that one was bad. That one was ridiculous. But it was like one of those, I I think that was already a bad year. And so you're like, well, this is just, you might as well get all the bad things happening (laughs) in one year, although they haven't done that. Two more, the 2015 uh, Seahawks Monday night. When Kelvin Johnson was at the one, they he, they made him fumble. Do you remember that? And then KJ Wright hit the ball out, out of, the of end zone, which is illegal. It's right. illegal. Yeah, but they didn't call yeah. it. Yeah, and you guys got fucked one, over in that one for sure. Yes, twenty ten Kelvin Johnson versus the Bears, where thirty seconds left, that game winning touchdown, and he just sets the ball on the ground, basically celebrating. And they said, "Oh, you didn't complete the catch. No touchdown." And the Bears, the Bears won that game. There are so many of them. I'm so. Oh, mad. there is, there is so many. I mean, I still think of um, that Cowboys playoff game a few years ago where they didn't. They called what the pass interference like seven yep. seconds too late. Uh, that yep. one, that was brutal. Certainly, and there was an offensive uh, holding call on the big fourth down conversion by the Cowboys that the league later admitted was not was not called and it should have been called. Yeah. Well, your Lions are another team that I am on the the edge of saying a rebrand is ready. We're ready for a <laughs> rebrand. You know, when you only got one yeah. win, one playoff win in 57 freaking years, and it was back in what, 1991 when the Lions beat the Cowboys in a divisional playoff game, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. when, that, when that's your only win, like to me at some point, let's redo the uniforms. Let's rebrand a little bit. We need a new look, a new vibe in Detroit. And uh, we'll see how this year goes, but I might start banging the table for that to happen after next off season or next season, just like I am doing with the Bengals. They're do you know, you know my thoughts on them. Oh yeah, let's yeah. get let's get this is depressed me. This is highly depressed me. This whole Lions talk here. Okay, let's go yeah. on to uh, I Love Fish twenty six says, what is the coach or scheme that Chris you hated to play against, and what is the coach and scheme you love to play against? Oh. Okay. Um, I would say the coach and scheme that just for me as a quarterback, when I played, I, I mean, Belichick was, a, I, I, you know, I only played one game against, I played a preseason game and one regular season game up in new England, but Belichick, you just didn't know what to expect. And a lot of the times I felt like when I was underneath the center and going blue 85, I feel like they knew the fucking play, what was coming. I mean, Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis were like calling shit out. And I'm like, oh, no, they did they hear Gruden call the play into my head? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do that a lot. They really did. So that was an uncomfortable feeling. Rex Ryan as the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens was probably the most uncomfortable I felt, though. Mm. Just because they were big, they were physical, they had a lot of good players, they did a lot of disguising and played some defenses where you're like, wait, that's not even sound, but they're going to play it because they think you'll it'll, it'll just confuse you and overwhelm you. And it, they were right. It confused us and overwhelmed me for sure. So those are two that really jump out to me. All right. Ones I liked playing against. Let me just think about this real quick. Um, I always felt real comfortable about Jim Hazlitt's defenses. He was the head coach of the Saints, if you can remember, playing against him. 
Uh, I just felt like they were unsound and that we were going to find some opportunities to gash them. Uh, I, I think that's probably that would probably be my answer. I didn't play a whole lot of games enough to tell everybody, you know, who I loved and hated. But those are the ones I, that jump out to me. I had really good, really good play versus Greg Williams, you know, because Greg Williams, if you had a plan to pick up his blitzes, you know, it could be very confusing. But if you kind of figured out how he's going to blitz and pressure you, he would give you chances to make big throws one on one down the field. And I was good at that. So I always felt comfortable playing Greg Williams, too. Um, where's this other one? Oh, here it is. Shrieking Shadow. Exactly how and when did you realize that you should retire from the NFL? How did that decision come about? Okay, well, 2010 was my last year in the league. Uh, I played with the Tennessee Titans, was a backup quarterback there. Um, but even in that year, I got signed like halfway through the year or maybe week six or something like that, somewhere around there. So I knew the time was coming a little bit, you know, and the unfortunate thing, the the perception was, is, uh, I wasn't the same after my spleen injury and I get it, you know, but the NFL perception becomes reality. I never got a chance to play and show anybody like, Hey, look, I can still do this. Yeah. I might not have been as good as I was before the spleen, but I uh, still felt like I could play. I knew I could play. I still had the talent and things to make it work. I just never got the opportunity to get like a game or two games under my belt to say, hey, look, I can still throw a 20-yard out route and I can still move in the pocket and do those things. So, you know, when I got done with the 2010 season, I knew I, you know, I was like, damn, I, I don't know. Is somebody going to pick me up? In 2011, I stayed, you know, stayed in shape. I worked out. I was throwing footballs on the side. Had a few teams call, but nobody bring me in. And I started to realize the reality of the situation. And I always promised myself that I would not be held hostage by the sport of football. So I wasn't going to be a guy that was like going to sit on the outside and call teams for three. I've been out of the league for three years, but will you please sign me? So that didn't happen. And as that 2011 season went on, that's when I reached out to Bill Belichick and the Patriots and started to realize, like, damn, I might not get signed. I need to start thinking about the next phase of my life. And uh, that's what kind of laid the groundwork for me to go work for the Patriots. But it's tough, man. It was sad. It's a sad day when you're sitting at home on Sundays watching guys throw the football that you think you're better than or you've lived your whole life. You know, as a football player, the first thing I've ever thought about since I was like 13 years old was, how was I going to get better at football that day? What was I going to eat? What was I going to do training? I mean, I was really conscious of these things for a long, long time. And so that to have that void in your life, it's like losing a loved one. You know, that's what like uh, it really is. It's like, you know, having your, you know, your best aunt or your grandmother die. You just you're like, damn, it, it, it hurts you. It's such a weird life. Uh-oh. We lost Ahmed, and he has all the questions. So we're gonna have to wait till he gets back with us here. Um, but we'll be all right. Uh, so what else do we want to talk about today? Um, I know I got questions about like um, favorite legs and ass in the draft Hold so on, far. I'm back. I'm oh, back. there he is. There he is. <laughs> I'm that. answering I just a question. To create a little drama. I'm answering a question because I know Pete Demolitolitis sent me this earlier about oh. my favorite legs and ass in the draft. So I was kind of oh, just yeah. ad-libbing there. I knew so, you, I knew if my camera went out that you would go right to the legs and ass question. I knew that's what When in doubt, go to the legs <laughs> and ass. And um, 
There's two. So here, two hold, players. I, I got the question. Oh, in the okay, draft, great. right? It's in this upcoming draft. Uh, the legs and ass guy. Yeah, where is that? We have a whole legs and ass section. So let me just Do find we? it here real quick. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, Car- uh, Karen says, "Who so far do you think has the best legs and ass in the draft?" Okay, so to me, it's two guys so far, and I haven't seen everybody yet. As far as all the big time players, I'm still cracking through here, but. South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. Okay, why don't you look him up right now? All right, if you can okay. just goop, look him up. I mean, I, you know whether I'm watching Alabama's offense and the receivers or Tua or Joe Burrow. I mean, this guy's ass and legs when the cameras behind him are top notch, and I can see why he's a top twenty pick. He is a specimen. <laughs> uh, so. He's got a great set on him there. And then the defense end for LSU. He's, he's well-built. I can give you that. He's well-built, right? He's well-built. Right? Yeah. And look it up, Clavon Chason. I don't know if I'm saying his name the right way, but the defense end for LSU. He's another guy that's being talked about in the first round. You know, He's got a lower half on him to where I go, yeah, he was put on earth to rush the passer. That's what he's there to do. I haven't really studied him yet. I'm not on the pass rushers yet. So I can't say much about him as a player. I know he's extremely athletic and really good. And in that first round, top 25 pick combo. Uh, But he does jump out to me again when I see a lot of SEC crossover film. Someone asked Jake S. They go, Ahmed, if you had to rate your top five NFL players, legs and ass guys, who would it be? Because and and I think this question was to make me uncomfortable because it does always make me a little uncomfortable when you when you talk about this. And so. Even though I was a little nervous doing it, I did. I went, I went in and I, I took the assignment to heart and I, I gave you, I'm going to give you my five guys who are my top Ooh, legs and ass guys I, in the I NFL like currently this. right now. Oh, this is in awesome. No I'm particular so glad I don't order. have to Go ahead. In no particular order, but uh, I got Russell Wilson in there. Got to respect him. You know, it doesn't always one. have to be a tall guy. Um, I've got Nigel uh, Bradham. I was looking him Ooh, up. Okay. 450 pounds is what he can squat. He's currently a free agent out there, spent the last four years in Philadelphia. But I'm like, if you can squat that, you've got to be a legs and ass guy. You, you can't, well, yeah, they're, you can't they're, they're an impressive set. I think you could have done better than that, but that's an impressive set. Okay, keep going. <laughs> uh, Saquon Barkley, I had to put him in there. I mean, a guy named Saquads. He's got to go in there. Uh, how about Tyron Smith, the tackle from Dallas, eight-year pro? He's got it, some it, power to the lower half. No, there's no doubt. Yeah, most of those guys do. And for you know, for a left tackle, he's got a very shapely, you know, it's a very toned up. It's not like sloppy looking. So it is impressive. I, I will say that. And I said these weren't ranked, but this might be number one for me. Robert Turbin, uh, who was back with Seattle last year. Big uh big lower half guy. And I, I think a lot big of big lower half. Yeah, okay. that's pretty so that's good. It. Man, that's it pretty may be awesome. a little uncomfortable doing that, but those are my guys. I had I had to go deep on it, and that took me way too long. Earlier this morning, it took me probably twenty five to thirty minutes finding all those guys and narrowing it down to five. Oh, I would love to have seen you know, some real time video of you looking up players' legs and butts. That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> uh, uh, Saquon, uh, I'm with you all yeah. the way. Okay. Um, I like your Russell Wilson pick for sure. That's a great one because out of the quarterbacks, he, his, his is a special lower half that way. Who am I missing? Deron Payne, 
Defensive tackle for the Washington Redskins. He is on the all-time legs and ass team for me. Uh, I'm missing somebody else. Nick Bosa, I would be another guy. Man, Nick Bosa's quads and hamstrings are another world. You know, so he would be a guy that would that would make the list for me. I'm probably missing a few other guys too, but those are the those are the standouts to me. And you use it for uh, for scouting. I know DK Metcalf Khalil was Mack? a guy of physical specimen. Yeah, Khalil Mack right. almost made my top five. I mean, somebody go look at Khalil Mack's legs. If you're wondering how he can turn the corner on a 320 pound tackle leaning on him, it's all you need to know. I mean, I've seen it in person. His two legs are would be you know us combining. You know, our four together to make his two. I mean, they're they're enormous, and yeah, yeah, it's a special, special, special lower half. If we were to be honest, most NFL players are special yeah. in that department. But even you have right. the elite of the elite. Uh, a yes. few more from Instagram here, Chris. These were some good ones here. Ernest Vasquez, forty nine. Chris, what team would be your first choice to be quarterback of right now? If you could play back in the NFL, who who would you? Oh. What team would you want to take over? If you could make your pick, say whatever quarterback there is there now, they're gone. Chris, you're the man. 49ers. It's not even close. Right away, you know Shanahan just makes the game so easy for the quarterback. You know, and one, I think the way he plays the game or coaches the game really would fit my skill set. You know, Shanahan wants to do play action. He wants to push the ball down the field. You know, do that kind of stuff. That's that's right up my alley. Oh, let me do play action pass, set up in the pocket, and let me throw missiles around the field. I can do that. And plus, he really simplifies the game for them as far as what to read. And then he has a lot of bullshit trick plays off of it that are going to make the quarterback stats look good and also keep you in rhythm as a quarterback too. You know, even, hey, you know, just think about it. You know, oh, okay, I missed my first two passes of the game. But then I throw a screen to the tight end over the middle and Kittle gets 30 or 40 yards. You feel better. Even though you didn't make a great throw, you just go, okay, there we go. That feels good. We're moving down the field. I'm getting in some rhythm. And that's where I look at Shannon and just think he's amazing at it. Yeah, I was going to ask you to rank what your preferences are, having an elite coach, an elite wide receiver, or an elite offensive line. But it sounds like coach would be one. Where would you put the other two? I would go coach, ooh, coach, offensive line, then probably receiver. I think that would probably be where I'd look at it. You know, again, we always overlook the offensive line, um, but, you know, none of those cool plays are going to work unless you can run the ball a little bit and they can pass protect for some of those deeper down the field routes to, to develop. Ty Berman, 12. Why haven't the Eagles signed any weapons for Carson Wentz? That is a question, and I don't know. I I said this today on Pro Football Talk, where I went, they made a lot of great additions to their defense. Howie Roseman, when we talked to him at the Combine, he said priority number one was going to be to get more weapons around uh, Carson Wentz. And then I I don't know. That has not happened. You know, maybe they just weren't willing to – to pay some of the money some of these guys are demanding. You know, I, I don't know where they're at, but you're right. They haven't done a great job. Now, we, we got to remember, Alshon Jeffrey wasn't healthy last year, so he'll be back. Uh, I don't know, you know, what they're thinking with Deshaun Jackson. I don't know where that goes. Uh, but also, we can't forget that this is a draft where, you know, the Eagles, yeah, in the 20s, 
or more than likely, there's going to be a really good receiver there to be had. I mean, there definitely is. It's not more than likely. There's definitely. It just hope it's the you, you know for them. You just hope it's the guy that they want or they feel that fits into what they want to, how they want to play. Yeah, we got a good question from Spinna Hot Creamer that says, "How does this wide receiver draft class stack up to 2014?" So I was looking back at 2014, and that was ridiculous, right? You got Watkins, you got Mike Evans, you got Odell, Brandon Cooks, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry. It was stacked wide receiver class. I mean, we won't know for a while how this one stacks up, but talent-wise, before they're drafted, how do you how do you think they compare? It's it's a real it's it's up there. I mean, I think if you just doing from pre-draft evaluations, it's very comparable to that class. It is now. I don't know. I would say that the top three from that class. All right, uh, I would say are probably a little bit more well-rounded, maybe. You know, and when I say the top three, I'm really thinking of Odell and Mike Evans. First off, you know, they were special. Sammy was special. Brandon Cooks was special, even though he had, you know, a smaller size. Um, I think there's probably a few more questions about some of these guys. But nonetheless, I mean, when you start to get into Jerry, Judy, Rugg, you know, Ruggs, uh, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, I mean, it's a really, really impressive class. It really is. I don't know if there's anybody as explosive as that that group right there, though. That's where I would say that group had the advantage. You know, Watkins has been hurt, but he was a game breaker. Odell was a game breaker. Tim, uh, Mike Evans, game breaker. Brandon Cooks, game breaker. You know, out of the group we got right now, the only guy that's like a game breaker that way where you just go, oh, he could catch a slant and go 70 to the house. It's probably the kid Ruggs from Alabama. Jerry Judy might be able to go 60 to, and get tackled at the five. There's nothing wrong with that. But Ruggs is the only one I look at to go, ooh, with the ball in his hands, he's got that explosiveness that Odell and Mike Evans and, and Sammy Watkins had coming out. Mitch Burns, 55. If all the quarterbacks got into a bar fight, like in a big old brawl, Who's coming out on top? So you take all the current quarterbacks in the NFL, you put them in a bar. Who's going to be the one that is last standing? I like mm. this. This is a good one. Okay. Well, mm. I mean, right away, right away, I mean, I'm going to put Cam Newton in that conversation. All right? Ooh. Cam, Not Cam currently in, in the, the NFL, though. <laughs> well, Technically, yes, you're right. He's a free agent. Technically, he is. He hasn't turned in his, you know, retired papers or anything yet. He's still yes. a part of it. Um, all right, let me just let me just give it a quick look at the teams here. All right, uh, just trying to figure this out. Mm. You know, I'm definitely putting Cam in there. Um, we're talking starting quarterbacks, right? More than anything, starting Phillip quarterbacks. River, yeah, I'm putting Philip Rivers in there. Okay, I'm just getting to my final four or so at first here. Don't sleep um, on Matt Stafford. Do not sleep on uh, Matt Stafford. He's scrappy. He's scrappy. I'm putting Dak Prescott in there for sure. Um, and after that, I think if I had to go with my last final four. Wait, so who did I say so far? I said Cam. I said Dak. I said Cam, Dak. Did you say Philip Rivers? I said Philip Rivers, right? Yeah. And I think the Pete, last Pete guy, texted us that he thinks that Philip Rivers would fight dirty. Well, and, he might. And, but, and you know, Big Ben. And Big there's Ben. There's no he rules said, in a bar fight. With the beard. 
<laughs> no rules in a bar fight. You're allowed to throw, you know, a bottle of beer over somebody's head. There's no rules. That's just the way it goes. I, um, I think I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with Josh Allen. I'm going with yeah. Josh Allen. He's just big and powerful and really athletic. I'm probably missing somebody here that I almost thought about Carson Wentz, but he's a little injury prone. I think he could like pull a muscle halfway through the fight. You never know. I mean, that's the thing uh, you know about Josh Allen. You're right. He's taken some big hits and gotten up and continued to battle on. So, But it's, it's hard for me to pick against that. Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton is like truly the biggest, most physical quarterback I have ever seen. I would say he's the strongest too, so I'm going to pick Cam Newton. Last one okay, is appropriate for the current situation we're in. This one comes from Elliot Petoskey, and he says, if you ran out of toilet paper, what would you use next? Ooh, That's we need big. To think of, we need to start thinking about this stuff. I, well, I know. I, I mean, a little bit. We got to, like, maybe find, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sick of how much we waste toilet paper and, and uh, paper towels to begin with. You know me. I'm Johnny Environment. And the fact that yes. we like go through a whole roll of paper towels every day to just like dab our lip or there's a little wet spot on the counter and let me do it. I mean, it's just such a waste of our natural resources on this planet. It's so stupid. We got to get away from it. What would I use? I mean, I guess I would get into like, well, hopefully I would have an, uh, a, 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 you know, an ability of lots of washcloths, I guess, is where I'd want to go with that. And then, you know, you'd have to rinse them out and throw them in the, the washer and dryer at some point, I guess. Uh, like a, like if you have a baby and they have cloth diapers, right? Like if you're a dad or a mom out there and sometimes you do have to yes. wash diapers in the in the washing machines. Yeah, I, that's where I think I might have to go with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, socks came to mind, certainly. But like, again, I don't want to use stuff where I'm going to waste it. Like, I'm not going to waste a sock like, oh, there's one wipe on my ass, throw that in the trash. Here's another sock, wipe my ass, throw that in the trash. I mean, that's wasteful too. So, yeah, I'm going with washcloths. I'd have a stack <laughs> of them next to my toilet and use them as much as necessary. And then, yes, try to clean them as best as I can. <laughs> so here's, any a, ideas? Here's, a, here's a question where I feel like I, I've been like way ahead of the curve on this. I have been for the last... Four years on uh, Team Bidet. I'm on Team Bidet. It's a little thing that it's not a big thing. It's just a little thing that hooks into your your plumbing system of your toilet, and it's like a hose, basically. Um, and you're right. That would be honestly the best way. so much better. It's so much better than wiping paper down there. And so I don't use a hose uh, just to dry. I have a bidet and never use it. So what? that was stupid. That yeah, I've used it once just to see what it felt like. Okay, and uh, I need to it use takes it more. Some getting You're used right. to. It does take some getting used to. But like, maybe you know, that's what we like, need in our society. Yeah, well, I'm sure you probably feel violated. You're like, what the hell is shooting up my <laughs> asshole over here? But but I, maybe that's where we need to move as a society to stop wasting so many natural resources. It's like, hey, anytime a new house or a new apartment complex is built, got to have a bidet in the bathroom yes. to clean your butt because we're wasting too much. We're cutting trees down. We got too many issues. Our world is falling apart right now, okay? I'm a little scared. <laughs> the rest of the world has it figured out where we, we got to catch up in, in that department. And on that note, I think we're, I think we're done. I think that's, cool. the, that's the AMA.
That was good. Way a lot to of drive good questions. Ship, I always dude. love when we do that. I love when we do that it too is. because we get so many good questions. It is good. And see, I, when the music's cued, that's always you knowing I know Kristen's like, all right, I've had right. enough of you two assholes talking. Let's go. Because <laughs> I'm the one that's got to do all this after work here. But everybody, stay safe. We'll try to continue the entertainment here. Chris Sims Unbutton. Check out Pro Football Talk live. You know, we're doing the show live 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern every every day of the week. So we're still going. I'm sitting here in this room doing live TV. Me and Ahmed are going to still keep bringing great content via the podcast. And next Tuesday, I'm going to do my wide receiver rankings. We got a few questions about that today. Ooh, it's good. a deep class. It's talented. There's guys that are going to fit in some systems and not other systems. It's going to be about who you like, what you like, all that. So uh, we got lots of stuff coming for Chris Sims on Button. Everybody be safe out there. Ahmed, you the man. Thanks for driving the uh, the ship today as always. Peace out, everybody. Peace out.